What is up, guys? It is Stu. It is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. I'm here with Josh Warner and Zach Egan, the owners of Metabolic in Tropical Jupiter. Guys, what's up? Doing very well, man. How are you? <laughs> it's very cool. It's good to meet you guys. I'm the most excited about this conversation. So I'm going to be traveling around and doing conversations. And Corbin, incredibly interesting, incredibly successful there. Like, you know, amazing story. But the thing that you guys have beyond interested, I had to come down here to capture this one, is because you guys come from this world that I I come from that the founders of metabolic come from which mm-hmm. is this crossfit world and i'm of the belief that the growth of a franchise like metabolic is going to be predicated on other micro gyms mainly let's call them maybe crossfits or independently owned strength and conditioning facilities doing well and then we're all getting better business-wise, right? Like, when I got in this thing in 06, we all were just fucking licking our assholes. We had no idea what we were doing. We were completely, we had no clue. And I think they're going to see the f- success of this brand and want to hedge their bets or add to their portfolio and grow. And I think you guys represent probably that first class of that, of people like they took from a, from a you guys were very dedicated to the CrossFit fitness scene methodology, that world, and then come in here. So I'm, I'm super excited to, to learn from you guys and, and kind of hear this whole story. So let's just go real quick, kind of just as you guys as a unit, can you give me like the two minute wrap up, how you guys met, right? right? What was the first date like? And uh, <laughs> how did you guys end up being like, cool, let's be business partners on this brand that is completely counterculture to what our his, like what we've historically done together. It may take more than two minutes. Did, but, I'll go ahead. We got plenty um, of time. I mean, basically in 2012, I moved down here from D.C. So I was right outside Tyson Corner. I moved down here in 2012 with my wife and opened up my personal training small group business, fitness facility and converted that into a CrossFit facility at about a year after. And the reason why I was that is I actually started getting into more of the methodology of CrossFit, realizing that group fitness was going to take off. Do you play sports? I did, yes. Baseball. Baseball? Yeah. Okay. What position? Uh, catcher, first base. Cool. Um, outfield, kind of a utility player. Yeah. And so after making that conversion, I got into competing at CrossFit too. So my whole introduction to CrossFit, actually, to kind of go a little back a little bit, I was a hater of CrossFit. <laughs> my first experience was a coach that went and got the weekend certification, came back, and I was working at Equinox Fitness, and put her through a CrossFit workout with a 35-pound kettlebell with an atrocious form of technique. I was like, that's what you learned over the weekend? Like, seriously? That's what you um, came back with? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so for about two years after that, I was never really into it. And then a couple, I noticed a lot of coaches, strength conditioning coaches that I admired and followed were getting a little more involved. And I was like, okay, let me check this out. And so I did my due diligence, w- walked through it, started doing some implementation of the workouts into my own program, and then decided to go full-fledged with licensing or, yeah, licensing. And then I created Cat 5 CrossFit. It was Category 5 CrossFit. Hurricane, get it. Hurricane. Yep, makes sense. So after creating that, I got into a little bit more competing aspect. That's where I met Zach when we were competing. Basically, it was he's trying to pr- propel himself into the sport of CrossFit. I was trying to do the exact same thing. We live close. And we're like, hey, let's train together every once in a while to be able to push each other. And that's where kind of like where our relationship started was more along the lines on the competitive field and on the floor at Wadapalooza and a couple of different events. Very cool. Very cool. Now, where were you guys working at? Like, so you had a cat five, then at like at what point does that transition and not be cat five anymore? 2015. Okay. Walk me through that. We merged with another for CrossFit facility. Basically, I outgrew my current facility. It was a little less than 3,500 square feet, okay. but we had a much larger lobby area because it was originally it was designed to be a small group personal training. Yep. So I had a much larger lobby area, knocked it out best I could, but it didn't really work out the spacing of the facility. We have a much smaller area for our CrossFit 
uh, training uh, going on. So we decided that another cross facility had 12,000 square feet, 6,000 on the bottom, 6,000 upstairs. So it's a two-story building. And we were like, all right, let's talk. And they knew that I was looking to get out of my current space. So we talked and came up with a deal that we both ended up liking, merged, and Zach came over then and started our, what we called Fit Camp. It was our basic CrossFit light. Sure. Without barbell. more body weights taken, larger gumbel, group. Gumbel, yep, absolutely. You know, the, the, the emphasis stage of it. Like yeah. Basically where, you know, two, three years ago where a lot of CrossFit gyms were going, trying to create another workout option. We were doing that in 2014, 2015. Okay. Yeah. And so we were trying to create something that we knew that maybe could be a predecessor to the CrossFit. Get them in the door, then get them training, get them accustomed to the community culture, and then work them into the CrossFit program. And so then after that, I actually got completely burnt out from doing 2012. I didn't hire my first employee until 2014. I did two years by myself, opening, closing, everything. So I burnt myself to the ground, burning the candle on both ends. I was getting to the point where I was like, you know what? I want a career change. I was looking to go back to school for physical therapy, finish up that, or do something different. So I ended up selling out one of my shares of that um, business and then moved out just completely away from fitness for a couple of years just to refresh myself, get away, find another career path if there was one. And then that's when Zach went over to Fit Town after that. Okay. It was CrossFit Palm Beach. And then how did you get to, what, what was your trajectory there? Was it just being kind of that same thing, like, you know, hanging out at Cat, Matt, hanging out at Cat 5, you guys training together, working together, and then you guys get over to Fit Town? Yeah, so 2012, I was that guy that went to the weekend certification that learned everything in two days and then was putting people through it and had no business doing that. With your $1,000 piece of paper. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was coaching at a boot camp that would moved indoors from outdoors and, um, essentially took everything I learned and was running that and implementing kettlebell training, bodyweight movement, yeah. um, and just essentially was doing everything that he was talking about, really. And I was also training myself to start competing in that. 2013 got really into that. 2014 is when we met at Wadapalooza. And when we met, he was like, hey, look, if you want to get better at this, you're going to have to learn a lot. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let me learn from you. So we started training together. He started opening my mind to some other things. What's um, the age difference here? 36. 36? 35. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And I was really committed to getting better as an athlete in CrossFit. Um, and that's when we started training together. He started teaching me some things. I left where I was at and, and joined him and said, hey, I have a lot to offer in this model of this boot camp, fit camp kind of thing. But I think we can merge the two and start to build a, something that could feed into the CrossFit. Yep. And so that's what we did. And so that's when I joined him. When he got out and took time off from the business, I was at Fit Town, which was called CrossFit Palm Beach, and learned a ton from them and started really learning and, and, and also training. And that's, uh, that was my story. From that, you guys have a very, probably, I, I, I'm going to say, like, I don't want to call it like common, like in a bad way. It's a very similar trajectory to a lot of people. They get into the sport, they get into it, they get into the coaching, they open gyms. This is very much how the grassroots thing of CrossFit, yeah. you know, has always been as far as that goes. At what point... Did you look around and like what was the why the separation? Because where you are now, like if I would have told you in 2018 when you go to the games, if I would have said, hey, you know, in 2022, you're going to have this green little building and it's going to fucking you're going to be running five movements at stations and this whole deal. You would have been like, no, no, I'm fucking not. You're insane. That's probably that's probably would have been your reaction. Yeah. How do we get from there to here today? What's the big what was what was the change? What would happen? What I realized through that process was that I loved CrossFit. I loved the sport of it. But what I was doing to compete at that level 
looked a lot more like this on a daily basis. Dive into that for me. Because someone's listening to that and be like, wait a minute, you guys don't do handstand push-ups and fucking mm-hmm. metabolic. You don't do right. muscle-ups. How does it look like that? We do a lot of segmenting our training here. So we're doing momentum workouts and durability workouts and, and things where strength is in the strength and, and that aerobic power is in those certain elements and we're, f- we're focusing on those um, individually instead of tying them all together. You're doing EST, uh, energy systems training, essentially with your three systems. Right. Yeah. And so that's a lot of what I was doing. You know, a lot of aerobic work, a lot of um, learning how to pace. Like I said, I did OPEX. I had an OPEX coach for five years. I'm learning how, how do I build pace? How do I get faster every round? How do I do all these things? How do I learn how to control my pace? How do I do dynamic energy control? Did you see a lot of carryover from, because again, very, you know, anyone who's, uh, who's ever done an OPEX or an a la James Fitzgerald, any style kind of education, you know, we're talking A1, A2, right? We're talking MAP10. We're talking, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff. Do you, did you see a lot of carryover immediately from like what you were doing with OPEX and individual design when you came over to Metabolic? I think it's in the program. I think it's in the program and you see it in implement, having the knowledge allows you to bring someone who's brand new and help them to train in this way. That's why having the metrics for building in paces, 70, 80, 90%, things that we do in here, for most people, they have no idea what that is. You look at a CrossFit workout and a 15-minute AMRAP and they say, well, well pace yourself. How do you do that? Now, as a competitor, I had to learn how to do that. But for in the general CrossFit class, and not all of them, I'm sure that a lot of them, there's, there's some that do well, but for your, your average CrossFit box, you step on the floor, and there's no teaching you how to do that. It's just go and then end up on your back. And so it goes from here to here, right, all the way to the bottom. And you have to learn how to go the opposite way if you want to have a great training session. And so that's what really carries over. Pretend I'm a friend of yours, and I'm – CrossFit diehard. I've got fucking pukey, the you know, the clown tattooed on my ass. I am all in. And you're trying to explain to me what it is you do here and why it would like my why my trainee would actually benefit from it. Because I'm sure you probably have, you know, buddies that still do CrossFit and you'd be like, dude, you gotta come check this out. Like I'm telling you, I think what is your sales pitch? Because I remember back when I did CrossFit, all my buddies did bodybuilding. I had to come up with my sales pitch for getting them to do constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. What, how, what does that sound like when you guys are talking about it? Because that's always the interesting thing is like, what's the layman's term? What's the marketing you use with a friend to tell them to try this thing out? Because that's generally the marketing language that we should use in our actual marketing on social media websites, things like that. So how does that sound for you guys when you're talking to current CrossFitters or people in these other fitness modalities and you're trying to show, tell them, like, you really need to check out the programming here? I mean, if you're talking about just CrossFit itself. Sure. <coughs> motion sensors? Yeah, motion sensors. <laughs> that's that's cool. Um, <laughs> relating to just CrossFitter itself, you know, not taking any other modalities, knowing a little bit more about you would help with that sales pitch, but basically going off a general aspect, I would ask you, do you love warming up for 20 minutes before you work out? You know, do you want to do all the mobility? Yeah. Do you want to get to the gym 30 minutes so that way you have the time to mobilize yourself, get your ready, get yourself, your shoulders ready for snatching? How much damage have you done to your body in that period of time you've worked out? You know, if you get into a point in your life where you're like, you know what, I want to get to the gym, I want to have an effective workout, I want to see some progress, metabolic is that. We entail that strength aspect that what you do in CrossFit but we've minimized it to the point where you don't have this repetitive action consistently happening on the shoulders, hips, and knees in a uncontrollable manner. So you're not dropping to the bottom of your squat 100 times for a wall ball. You know, majority, if you don't have the capacity for that, you're going to, in five, six years from now, if you're not building that capacity, all you're focusing on is just going hard, 
your knees are going to fucking suck. They're going to hurt. That pitch to you would be, I need a little more information about sure. what your background is. But from a general standpoint is, I can use myself as an example. I would have to mobilize 30 minutes before I do a training session. Now, my training sessions did look different than what a typical CrossFit, you know, uh, weekend warrior would go do. But I got tired of doing that. I got yeah. tired of having to roll out for 30 minutes, mobilize, working on trying to get a little more extension in my shoulder, a little more elbow f- extension, a little more knee flexion. Now I train unilaterally, so my body is more sound from right to left. My body is more sound from front to back because I'm more balanced. And that, that, that I think, is the, the area where metabolic is going to have the biggest benefit on any CrossFitter, ex-CrossFitter, or current CrossFitter who walks through the door. They're going to help balance them out from right to left, front to back, because we don't overemphasize one movement. We also don't tear your shoulders up in going through global extension and global flexion. If you're doing that correctly, then that's not a big ordeal. But if you're not focusing on being connected on that bar and creating tension through the bar and you're doing your kipping movements, you're going to have shoulder issues down the road. So more along the lines of that, it depends on the individual walking through the door, what their experience is. But from a metabolic standpoint, I know my body feels better. It feels a fuck ton better. The thing to a CrossFit is you're you're showing up and doing that mobility so you can get into the best position for your overhead squat and snatch, not because you believe the overhead squat and snatch is going to make you look better naked. It's because it's going to be it's an it's a it's a requirement for the sport, mm-hmm. right. and that's the thing that I when I try to talk to people and I'm trying to explain to them the difference in you know the program between the two models. CrossFit, it, the workouts are very, very similar. Like how many times are you going to do deadlifts and box jumps? How many times are you do thrusters and pull-ups? And why we see that at such nauseam, because there's kind of a probability you might see it in this thing called the Open and mm-hmm. this thing called the Regionals or the whatever the hell it may be. It's like people came in to get fit, and you instantly, it's almost as if you handed them a jersey, like, well, you don't know it, Sally, but you're playing sport now, mm-hmm. all right? Yeah. You're, you're the fullback. In the, get in the game, right? You are now at a training facility to make you better for this thing that you've never even heard of. And she's like, what? It's like, yeah, it's the Open. We're going to sign you up. It's 20 bucks. Like, it, that is the one thing I tell you. Like, the movements you do at Metabolic, and I could say this from someone who goes there as a customer, as a member, they're designed to get you stronger, leaner, faster better there's no sport to it it's not about doing a movement like why do a kipping handstand push-up like you can come up with 50 different exercises if you want bolder shoulders like you know you can you can come up with 50 different exercises if you just want better kinesthetic calisthenic body awareness well it's because it shows up in these things like these things and and that's the biggest thing too because nobody shows up at a crossfit gym wanting to participate in a sport they show up at a crossfit gym and they just kind of get sucked into that world. Next yeah. thing you know, wrist wraps and mm-hmm. knee sleeves right. and mm-hmm. fucking junk headbands and fucking do wins or fucking, you know, Romalos. And it just like it's you, before you know it, you've got the whole fucking kit. Yeah. It's funny because yeah. you see people that, that come into our facility now and they've done CrossFit and they have this these stages. Right. So they start mm-hmm. out with. They're here 10 to 15 minutes early. There's nowhere for them to go because we're not <laughs> set up for that. Yeah. Right? They're like, where's the foam roller? We have five of them. Yeah. You can grab one. They take it, go to a corner, and they foam roll for 10 to 15 minutes by themselves Yeah. because there's no one else around doing that here. Three months later, four months later, they're like, oh, I guess I don't need to do that anymore. And they kind of like lose that because we know like we, we don't need to do banded stretching and hip cars and shoulder cars and all the we're doing a 7 minute warm up to prime our body get the chili hot and get ready to go yeah. and then we're going to do a workout that's going to be it's not going to need all of that going on but most of them that come in at first they have it's like they're programmed to do that 
like, oh, I need to, I need to foam roll this, I need to foam roll this, I need to make sure that I go through my banded warm-ups. Like, well, you really don't need to do that for what we're going to do. But you can do that now, two months, two months from now, you'll, you'll show up five minutes before the workout starts. Yeah, you'll, you'll learn. For everyone listening, the, I'm, I'm going to spend a lot of time here in the beginning of this, of this podcast on the programming portion because my conversations with most micro-gym owners that have an interest or a curiosity about metabolic they're like, no, I get it. These things make money. I, I, I get it. I believe you. I, that part, I believe you. I need to wrap my head around the programming of it because mm-hmm. I believe in CrossFit. It's the thing we all fell in love with so much. I was the guy, you know, I'd go to the gym. I would do my resistance training a la Arnold and a la, you know, Charles Poliquin and everything. And then I'd go, go do my conditioning, my cardio, right? That was it. Like, and then CrossFit fucked that whole world up. And it was a mm-hmm. beautiful, it's the best thing that's ever happened to fitness was CrossFit. I'll tr- I truly do believe that. The best. And again, some people ran too far with it and whatever it may be. But I still think it, it's done more for fitness than any other single organization in our lifetime. For you guys, you know, you guys were at the highest level of that whole thing. I mean, did you? Did you take that first, you know, like, did you look at the workout here and do your first one? Like, I don't know, it's just not the same dose response. Or were you so spent of that high intensity dose response? You were like welcoming something that wasn't going to fucking punch you in the face every single time you worked out. We didn't actually take our first metabolic in-house class until November of 2020. This this was six months after we signed our franchise agreement. So we never had actually seen the workout on the floor done and actually experienced it so you signed on as a franchisee mm-hmm. without ever having done a workout correct you're either just geniuses absolute like you know you can just pick a good hot stock tip or people are like holy shit that's fucking risky like then, okay then what was the selling point how did you know so we actually stumbled upon metabolic through instagram and um at the time we both had he had left fit town i had left years before that and i wanted to get back into fitness in some sort. So we were thinking about this one buddy of ours opened up um, open gym concept. So all the CrossFit, you know, type of equipment that you need. So barbells, plumpers, rig, blah, blah, blah. And we were going to work out of that facility and do our online design, program design, and also some personal training. And as we started formulating going through, we were at the base of the crossroads, okay, we're going to take this into a full-fledged business where we need to have our own facility so we can control things. Or we continue the route that we're going and go more virtual. And neither of us, if you looked over at Instagrams, eh, not much there. <laughs> you can probably see shit from 2018 on the first page of mine. Yeah. So I don't post much. It's not my, not my thing. I know it's what you really promote. Sure. It's not something that kind of drives yeah. me. And so we stumbled across, across Metabolic and as simply because of their deload. So I... Somehow came across the deload hashtag, clicked on it, and I saw Metabolic. I was like, what the hell is Metabolic? You know, I never heard of it. So I looked, started looking at them, like, they're a group fitness concept. How do they convince their people to do a deload? Yeah. How do you convince these individuals that think they need to go hard, constantly, 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 to now we need to take a whole week of no weight training. We're going to take it a little bit easier on CNS, our CNS and recover. I'm like, how do they convince them to do that? So then that's what kind of got me down the rabbit hole of Metabolic. Uh, which led me to talking to Al and a couple of guys from Metabolic. But mainly, it wasn't necessarily the workout that kind of got us. It was more along the lines of their philosophy and their culture is what drove us and guided us toward them. We didn't, like I said, we didn't experience their workouts until basically almost a year from the point I first found them. In that time frame, they did release the virtual during COVID. So when COVID shutdown happened, they had a virtual program that him and I jumped on. And we're like, hey, let's see if this is something that we can like from a program standard. And so we did the virtual and it was fucking awesome. Like down, downright the best program I've done virtually when it comes to minimum equipment. 
So the thing that fucking sold you was it again, and I, I, I know Brandon and me and everyone you know in the fitness industry, we're all kind of just stitching this fucking digital mm-hmm. pr- thing together, right? It wasn't it wasn't a high operate or high you know production kind of thing. That's really you know what sold you was the at home thing with what was it? Uh, what was the equipment list? A kettlebell? Yeah, all you need is one element. You needed a kettlebell, a dumbbell, a or a backpack, a lot of time. or a backpack, and that's was like, yeah, or suitcase. That's in- fucking incredible. I that that I did not know that part of the story, and then so are you like sitting here? You get a text message one day like, bro, you got to check this out, and like now now you're telling him the story and pulling him down the rabbit hole too. Mm-hmm. This is actually kind of a funny part of the story. So that was the beginning of 2020. That was mm-hmm. February of 2020. We're getting all this set up. Um, I am still competing at that time, so I was with Team Conquer, and we were getting ready to go to the Atlas Games. My plan was 2020 20, or 2020. We're going back to the CrossFit Games. I went in 2018, off in 2019. My daughter was born. 2020, I'm going back. Let's do this. COVID happened. A couple of different things happened where I was like, you know what? Let's focus more on the business. Um, I already had the mindset of this is what I do to compete, and this is what everyone else is getting in CrossFit in the class. And I understood that they don't see what's really going on here. They don't own. They don't know what's going on behind the curtain, kind of thing. I already had that in my mind. We'd already been talking about doing something different, doing something yeah. better. And uh, then we found Metabolic. He actually found it and didn't tell me yeah. for like two weeks. And then, <laughs> and then uh, he's like, hey, I just want you to try this thing. So I tried it after a training session one day. I was like, wow, that was really good. A couple of weeks later, we started doing it together. And then from there, I was like, you know what? I really, really like this. Let's, let's look more into it. This is something we could replicate. And this is something that really like speaks to our to what we believe fitness is about and what it should be for the general public. And then just slowly over a couple of weeks and a couple of months, I, I got, I was like, you know what? I really, really enjoy this. Like, let's, let's seek it further. And that's what we did. And now it's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> what it, so you guys have an interesting lens that uh, unfortunately a lot of CrossFit coaches or owners don't have. You guys obviously s- clearly saw the separation of CrossFit the sport versus mm-hmm. CrossFit the GPP program. And whereas a, a many, many of these facilities and owners and operators do not, then it's all very much blended into one of the same. Mm-hmm. How, what, you know, when somebody comes in here to Metabolic, they're coming in here because they, they saw something, they heard something, they have a friend, this, they come in and they recognize tools. Like this look, okay, I don't, maybe I've never used that, but I recognize these kettlebells over here. Like these, this is cardio equipment. I can make sense of this in my head. How do you guys marriage it? Because I know Metabolic's big thing, like going to that deload week thing, right? Mm-hmm. This is a structured 52-week strength and conditioning training cycle, mm-hmm. okay? Deload, I see all the, I see everything that Finley puts out and the joke, you know, it's it's a running joke. Like, all right, utilization rates are going to be low during mm-hmm. deload week. People don't want to come in. How do you guys, like when you sell it to someone, because that's always been one of my questions with Matt. It is a true strength and conditioning program, but these are not real, real real athletes. These are athletic people. How do you guys, when you're talking to prospects coming in and you're talking and you're really talking about this very structured strength and conditioning program, when we know the average person was probably, oh, I was just thinking I'd come in here four days, three days a week and work out and sweat with you guys. How do you guys kind of roll that pitch in? Because that's obviously something that really attracted you, like their Mm -hmm. philosophy of all this. Many people that come in here, they've been training in a lot of different boutique fitness concepts and they're all very cardio saturated. And so they understand at least many of them do, that they need to start incorporating strength. But they have no idea where to start. And we can look them in the eye and say, you need to start somewhere, and we have a team that's trained and ready to find out where that is. You might be at this spot. You might be at this spot. We have a very structured system to, to determine where that is, and we'll start you at the right spot. 
and we'll make sure that we give you a personal training feel even though it's in a group concept. And so we have the lanes and we have everything set up in a way where um, we can provide that amount of structure. There's no chaos in here. So we can be, we could fine tune and personalize that workout for you. Not every person gets their own workout, but we, we know that we can figure out, hey, you are going to be at some level of this movement. Maybe it's not the full movement everyone's doing. Maybe it's a regression to that movement. But we have a team that's, that knows what they're doing. They know their stuff. And we're going to make sure that that's right for you. And people feel confident in that because most people want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll get it this time. Really, that back to like the, the deload you're asking. We, without trying to go too scientific with them, we express and tell them, you know, the importance of it. You know, you're still going to come in here. You're going to sweat. Yeah, you're not going to lay on the floor after doing it, but you're going to have a great flush, and your body's going to feel ready for the next 12 weeks. Because if you properly go through that 12-week cycle, you'll be craving a deload. Sure. You will definitely be craving. Like we both do, especially not this latest one because of some of the different stuff came in the family-related stuff, but the one before that when we finished the, in 2021, I was fucking ready. Like I was like, I need a deload. I need my body to kind of get a little bit of a relaxation state and chill out my central nervous system. Yeah. And, you know, we tell individuals, especially when they're coming from that CrossFit realm, you know, we tell them that, this is, a, this is the area that is going to allow you to be able to calm yourself down from a central nervous system standpoint to be able to get ready for the next 12 weeks of training hard. And you don't need to train hard every single day. Think of it on Thursdays. It was usually Thursday, active recovery day for most gyms. Monday through Wednesday, you have your typical program. Thursdays, your gymnastic flow state. I don't know what it is currently, but that's what it was back you know, a few years ago. So think of it being that, that it's instead of broken into one day a week, doing it that way you now you're just doing it seven days in a row yeah I, I know I agree I was uh, as you were saying that I was up with Corbin just a few weeks ago and I got to speak with one of his members and Corbin you know pointed him I said hey that guy he was a hardcore crossfitter and he came in here and so I went to go I got my camera and him I got in his face and he's like hey a federal big kind job I can't ha- I can't be filmed whatever but I'll give you the audio so I got the I put the mic down and I'm talking to him and he's talking exactly what you were saying is that you know, I, I was enjoying what I was doing. I wasn't enjoying what it was. It was beating, like the level of the beat the shit out of my body mm-hmm. to me looking good naked wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Like I felt beat to shit and I looked better. But man, if I'm going to feel like this, I better look fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I mean, when you're in college, I don't know about, you know, what kind of college experience you guys had. It was like partying in college. I love fucking partying. If it ended in day, I was drinking. Like I was going out. And then after a while, that starts to kick the shit out of you. And you're like, yeah. I don't know, man. I think, you know, chilling at home and watching some TV and, like, cooking a ribeye would be actually yeah. kind of nice, right? Like, it's some, you know, you kind of back off. You don't want that anymore. You're looking for that deload. And you're right. You know, for us in the strength and conditioning world, we're like, well, this is how it goes. You go here, go here, go here. Little deload. Mm-hmm. And then we're back here. We're here. Mm-hmm. We're here. And, like, that's periodization. That's how we grow. That's the part I think is be very interesting. I think you guys are going to do an even – I think metabolic is going to really create the layman's term and the ability for the average human to relate to actual strength and conditioning protocols, principles, and mm-hmm. vocabulary and terminology. Technology as the as the franchise model grows and more people are talking about DLO because that is something you would only see in a high level strength and conditioning program. Yeah. You don't you didn't see it in CrossFit. No such fucking thing as a deload. Mm. That was like that was you know. I remember coaches being like, "Hey guys, the open just got done. We have five weeks. Why don't we just take a week? Up? Nope, fuck it. Mm. Like because Murph is in like a month, right? Like so we got to do that shit. Um, let's. I want to stay here on the programming for another second. I I'm fully aware uh, that strength happens here. If you're talking to a CrossFit owner who's like, okay, but if there's no barbell and you're not doing pull-ups, 
how are people really getting strong? Like, what are some of your favorite strength movements that, I mean, you guys are strong fucking dudes, that, like, when you got into it, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, like, never did this across but holy fuck, I would have been better at X, Y, and Z had I done it. Shoulder stability. Yeah, I mean. stability being in positions, postural endurance and strength that you're not used to doing, being in the rack position mm-hmm. for 60 seconds like a tailpipe wrap, like with the kettlebells, yeah. yeah. Seal yeah. arm, like yep. mainly seal arm. Carries. Bilateral, you can get away with some cheating aspects, but mm-hmm. single, la- single arm, you can't really get away with it. I wouldn't say necessarily movements for me. It's more along lines. It's a combination of a lot of things. It wasn't, you know, every single movement we've done in here, I've done before. There's, I don't think there's been a new one that I can think of the top of my head that I've ever never done before. More along the lines of being, instead of it being a slap on the wall, like throw something against the wall, like, hey, I'm going to do that today aspect, it's more along it's programmed in. Like they're building you up to be able to accomplish maybe that Turkish get up or losing track of some of the workouts we do. Well, like th- things that we do, like we'll do a, a single arm uh, march with a dumbbell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. that turns into a reverse lunge which turns into a reverse lunge combo into a clean. And so it just, you see it build over 12 weeks and it, you're asking that client to do it for an extended period of time, not 30 seconds, but 90 seconds on that side, then do 90 seconds on the other side and use a load where every position's perfect. If it's not, we're going to, yeah, we're going to do something about that. We're going to make sure that that's perfect. And then the next week we're adding a little wrinkle to it. And the next week we're adding a r- little wrinkle to someone might think that's not, varied enough in fact it's the only way for you to get better at this is the repetition and then slowly building on the complexity of it the answer i generally give and this is you know coming from just an outsider but most crossfitters have very rarely do very little with the dumbbell it's going to be double press it's going to be dumbbell snatch and that's kind of for the most part it and that's the biggest thing i tell them like like I'll be like, hey, guys will be like, I want to try the metabolic. I want to see if you're full of shit, Stu. Mm-hmm. And like, can I actually get stronger doing that? But I don't have a metabolic around me. I'm like, that's cool. Go buy a pair of dumbbells between 50 and 90 and start doing work with heavy fucking dumbbells that you would typically do. If you could thrust a 135, big boy, mm-hmm. go grab a fucking pair of 60s, which would be 120, and you're going to see how incredibly more difficult that is. Yeah, do Fran with 50-pound dumbbells. Uh, easily. It's just like, and again, it's just because that's not a tool that you see overly used in a CrossFit gym to that level. And I, I'm making a gross blanket statement for mm-hmm. 16,000 of these guys. But yeah. by and large, I think we'd probably be accurate in saying that it's a primarily a barbell dominant mm-hmm. model. And I know me personally, even in my training now, mine's a dumbbell dominant model. I mean, my grip, everything is just so much fucking stronger and I can't hide Push press, you got one weak serratus, mm-hmm. not the other. You can fucking hide that all day with a barbell, until not with should, a dumbbell. Blows out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> until you until you have to go see the physical therapist. Yeah. With the programming, you guys in staying on the strength vein, and then we'll move in the business, the lanes. That's mm-hmm. one thing. Mm-hmm. I I get a hard on on it because I love the operational capacity of it. I love the the cleanness of it. I love how, how routine it is. It creates rituals within the clients. They kind of know where to go. Talk to me a bit about the the genius or the just the how what the what the element that having these strength lanes you know come in and explain to everyone how many you have the colors and what they all mean. So we have five lanes. We are a twenty five person capacity gym. So five lanes, five stations of exercise, and we go from white, which is the lightest lane, up to black, which is the heaviest lane. And so we have white. Then step up is teal. Then we have teal gray. Then we have gray, and then we have black. And then. From a client standpoint, you know, majority of people walk through the door, they're going to start in that teal gray down to white. And then it gives them su- gives them a presence on the floor to be like, hey, I have something to shoot for. You know, if I want to get stronger, that's my objective to get stronger. 
there's a lane right there next to me that's five, maybe 10 pounds heavier dumbbell that they can work up toward. So it gives them a starting point and also an end point that they can look at. You know, it's, it's very it's, simple too. Yeah. You know, if they don't, they don't have to think, okay, I've been using 20 and 25 pounds, but now I'm starting to move to 30, 35. And they don't have to keep track of those numbers to say, I've been doing teal. Now this next cycle, I'm going to try to play with great teal. You mm-hmm. know, and they just, it's a very simple progression for them. We, like we control the weight. They just follow the color. So there's someone listening to this that's like, all right, five lanes, five movements, 25 people. Okay. But what happens if you get one of those classes where you have 12 people who are very, very weak and they all want to be in the white lane or mm-hmm. the, the great lake, whatever that may be? Like, how do, how do you guys logistically handle that? So we have five lanes. If we only had 12 individuals, we can create two or three different lanes of the same exact weight. Sure. Have, you know, if you look at our dumbbell racks and our kettlebell racks, I mean, the, the eight kilo kettlebell we have, we have four of those. We have four 10 You've kilo got plate. surplus. You have a surplus of weights to be able to. It's not always going to be a beautiful five yeah. weak people, five kind of weak people, mm-hmm. like five stronger people, five really strong people. It's yeah, not always right. going to be that beautiful breakdown. But it's also the genius of the way it goes out. So out of five movements, how many of them are generally resistance training based? Depends on the day, but you usually see two to three. Two to three. And then the remainder would be what? One would be a striking element that we do every day. And then probably the, with the, the, the water bag. Mm-hmm. Correct. And then some other either core movement or uh, you know, they'll be on a concept two machine, like a bike, rower, ski, or something like that. Athletic movement. Yeah. yeah depending depending uh, on our theme, drills. the three themes that we have. Yeah. One of those. What, what was your take when you got involved with the boxing element? Because I know, again, and I, I played sports my whole life. I did CrossFit. But, I mean, even when I go to the South End location, like, Sissy or one of the coaches is always just like, Stu, Jesus fucking Christ. No, lead with the back foot. Like, I mean, like, they're always having to, like, correct me because it's very choreographed. Mm-hmm. It's very dance-based. And I know you look at me and you think, fuck, that dude can dance. But it, it's actually <laughs> the opposite. But the bag is that one thing that, you know, was always so surprising to me. And it was difficult. Mm-hmm. And you have a little bit of that ego as a CrossFit. You're like, every, mm-hmm. nothing difficult mm-hmm. for me. I can fucking run with a medicine ball. Like, whatever the fuck you think. Yeah. How, what did you guys, like, what was that like for you guys coming from your background? I was not good at it at all. It took me a little bit of time. But the cognitive awareness of what you're doing and how your body's moving through space and coordinating those movements together are very athletic. I mean, a person hitting a baseball, a person hitting a golf ball, yeah. a person throwing a lacrosse ball through the net, a person, you know, hitting a forehand in tennis. Like, any of those movements require that level of coordination and just awareness of how you're moving. Rotational strength, right. all that. Right, you need that. And so almost every sport I know pivots in some way with the feet and rotates the hips. And so when you take someone who has done, you know, burpees and box jumps and push press and, you know, toes to bar, they've yeah. never, they haven't done any of it. And so when they do this, it's like, well, this is stupid. No, it's not stupid. You just are not very good at it. Yeah. And it's something that we need to improve because you're going to be far more athletic if you can do something like this. And, and then once they pick up on it, it becomes, for most people, they really, really like it. And well, a lot of people, like, they hear, they're like, oh, oh, they got into that because, you know, Jake Paul's making a cool boxing. I'm like, no, no, no. That's been it from day one. And even, let's take the, the physiological benefits of the rotation all that out. I think there's just something primal and very nice to if you've had a shitty day at work or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Like when you hit something, nothing feel like it feels so fucking mm-hmm. good to hit something that doesn't mean you'll go to jail. Like there's yeah. no consequence to it, right? It is absolutely therapeutic. Yeah. I mean, I've watched, I've been in the back lane, I'm in the back movement and I'm watching some of the, the guys and girls on the bag and I'm like, oh, She's going through some shit. Like, 
<laughs> oh, yeah. he got in a fight with his girlfriend before he came here. Something happened. He got cut off in traffic. Like they're working through something. Yeah. What, talk to me a little bit more about that because yeah, it's very choreographed. It's very difficult, but like that's a unique. Like okay, rumble, sure. Like but that's mm-hmm. all. I mean, that's literally it's like the sole element you're doing. This is a mainstay every day. Now the erg, one of the ergs that you have is also a mainstay, correct? Or are you are there days when you're maybe not skiing or no, rowing? Okay, not, not yeah. every day. Okay, every day. so but the bag is the is it correct. the one mainstay? Yeah, correct. That's, that's such an interesting from a programming standpoint that I love that. It's so intriguing to me. Is like, all right, why is that the one constant? Talking to Brandon probably would give you a better answer, but the answer that we could probably come up with is the you're going to have consistency with rotation in life. We, as humans, we rotate at nearly every single joint as we move. And understanding hip rotation is very important when it comes to any sport outside of CrossFit. CrossFit's straightforward, trim down. That's it, basically what you do. And to put a little emphasis on that, I'm a better athlete now than I was in my peak conditioning of CrossFit, athletically. Now, fitness-wise, no, I am not, because I'm not training as much as volume as I was. Right. So, But there's a distinct difference between athletic and fit. Capacity. Yeah. So that's what you guys understand. If you're listening to this as a CrossFitter, there's a distinct di- difference between athleticism and being fit. Very different. I couldn't move very well laterally. You know, the slide board was something that took me a while to get used to. Striking got, took a while for me to get used to. But I'm a very technically oriented individual. So when I find something that I'm not good at, I dive into it and I get very good technically at it. And that's what I've been working on with my striking. You'll hear me on the bag. I'll say, fuck, shit, because I don't have, I'm, I'm especially left-handed. I'm right-handed, but left hand is my challenging hand. It's hard for me to get the rotation down correctly, to strike the bag correctly. Get into a rhythm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We start to, in every workout, we're going to challenge you. We're going to say, you're to switch your stance, and you're going to give us an equal amount of work on that opposite side. Everyone does it in every single workout. And so I know for me, I've vastly improved in using my opposite side. I mean, it's and, and most of our clients really struggle with it, and then they get so much better at yeah. it. It's something that's really necessary. And so even hearing you guys say that when we do that, uh, and I switch to my weak side, I'm just I'm I'm just going way slower. I'm getting mm-hmm. way less reps in because I'm having to I'm having to triple check myself because that coordination and that rhythm just doesn't come as well on that side. But you're right, like it's by that second round or so, third round or so. I'm like, oh, it's picking up, it's picking up, and then you come back the next day and it's picking up, it's picking up. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, I bet you if we asked Brandon, he'd have a great and Kirk, they'd have great answers. But I think that's probably one of the other big reasons is that's probably got the largest neurological adaptation mm-hmm. required, yep. you know, to for you to really master yes. and get good at it. It's like you know, like the golf swing, you know, shooting a lacrosse ball, a crank shot, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Let's kick over to business. So you guys had. Good, very. You guys had very uh, dense business experience prior to coming in here. How much different is it running a franchise with a playbook built in that you didn't create? Mm-hmm. There are limitations to what you can and can't do. You're going to get it this time? There's limitations to what you can and can't do. I will say, listen, motion sensor lights are so fucking smart. Like, I can't even tell you how many times I'd be at home. Uh, with urban movement and I checked the cameras like fucking bitch motherfucker someone left yep. the lights on god damn it but I'm not driving over there right now so I guess we're just paying for it <laughs> you know um, no, it's smart uh, alright so yeah how 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 was that because I gotta imagine there was that was that's a little tough they'd be kind of be put slightly in a box as to what you can do and can't do it was it was actually like a challenge kinda... but it also was welcomed okay like, you know because yeah. talk to me about that my background is personal training that's one thing that I've been since day one. I Equinox Fitness was my very first personal training job. Went to school for personal training. That's exactly what I did coming out of high school. So to go 
into a business, it's very different than when you're sole proprietor and you're doing your own thing as a personal trainer. It's very different from a business perspective because now you are either managing people, you are working with hundreds of individuals instead of just a couple, maybe 10 or 15. Uh, so the, the capacity to do the work necessary, you got to have a little bit of help. And that's one thing I learned about when I opened my CrossFit gym and before that was a personal training studio was I personally never had the experience of working with other individuals when they're underneath me. So having that guidance from them when it comes to handling certain situations has been beneficial. The challenging part was is that I did everything and now I don't have control of everything. So it's like, shit, you know, I had to go through and like, can I do this? Can we do that? And there's sometimes there's a no. And it's like, why the fuck is there a no? <laughs> like, so going from full control to now you have to be on brand. You have to have guidelines you follow is a benefit to it, especially if you aren't very strong in some of the business aspects that when it comes to running a successful franchise or successful business in general. So they give you that help there. And then also have the guidance of Kurt and Brandon. I mean, they've, they've been in the field, you know, probably about five or six years longer than me, you know, and then they've, they've been in that athletic realm majority of the time. So having that guidance from them has been very beneficial. And then also just the challenge I would say is like a, you come up with ideas and you're just like, you can't run them because it doesn't work for the brand per se. Uh, so that's been the challenges with it. But from the help is that's all done for us, the yeah. metabolic. This, obviously, we had this done, but Metabolic, the brand, is done. Yeah. We don't have to develop a brand. We don't have to develop content. We don't have to develop certain aspects that are going to get those customers to come through the door. That most gym owners, let's be honest, don't aren't good at, nor do they like doing. I agree with that 100%. I'm not good at it. Yeah, 100%. And it's interesting because I'll talk with non-franchisees, and they will say, like, yeah, but I can never maybe see myself after owning a business, having you know being in someone else's box and all that. I'm like... Okay, so you enjoy business, kind of like maybe someone enjoys fitness. Follow me so far? Okay. And isn't it one of the reasons a lot of your clients come to you is because they kind of want to turn off their brain and come in and you write the fitness for them, you prescribe the fitness, they just come in and do it and they trust in you that by them doing what you say, it's going to get them to their desired end result. It's the same thing with a franchisee. You just have to find the brand that you can actually fucking align with and you could defend because you truly believe it and not because you believe it's the cash cow or whatever it may be. And you're right, like, the programming being done for you guys, like, you know, the aesthetic and all that, these are all things, like, uh, you know, I, I can think of my first facility, it didn't look anything like this, mm-hmm. right? My yeah. la- I mean, like, it took me to my last facility to have one that I thought was really, really, really good Clean looking. Lines yeah, good. 100%. Like before that, I had red walls, and, you know, the, the, the font was different for a lot of things. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't consistent, yeah. you know? Yeah, but it's like, you know, it's it's ultimately one of those things where the branding, the marketing, the client acquisition system, the presence in the market, that's the reason most micro owners are going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're bad at coaching, and it's not even that they don't work hard. That's just the hardest thing. Like, nobody shows up with that information. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, nobody's leaving a McKenzie in, in New York City, you know, from a marketing standpoint. Like, I'm going to open up a gym and crushing it with fucking marketing. These are all just coaches, trainers that mm-hmm. love people, love fitness. And they're like, but branding? Like, like I don't fucking know. Is that like a logo? Like, what, is, what do I do with right. that? Mm-hmm. It's tough. But the I brand culture has to be, like, grown. It has to be, like, cultivated. Sure. You know, and that's something that takes a lot of time. And you're walking into this look. You're walking into this feel. 
this culture that's already a part of you, just implementing it. And that's hard. It's, you know, it's one thing to get members and then make them really fit. You know, yeah. we all know how to do that, but how do you continue to bring in the same kind of people and get them to buy into the same thing and they don't affect what you're doing in here? They don't, it doesn't become who's in here, what you're doing in here. They, they either like it or they're not here, right? It's the culture is what it is. And that's what, you know, we love about it. It always gives us something that we can continue to like, it's a guiding tenant. It's this thing, this plumb line that we can keep going down the line. My favorite thing about Metabolic is the culture you guys create. And the one thing we're going to talk about here towards the end of the podcast, I want to stay on business, but is is game day, which for anyone listening in the cross world, it's you know, your version of the open. It's, yeah. It is your recurring every, you do it every quarter? Every 12 weeks, yeah. Every 12 weeks, yeah. So every quarter you guys do game day, the same test of fitness, right? People can benchmark it. And we're going to talk about that here at the end. Let's talk, you guys opened up, you know, <laughs> you did the, you during the pandy, you're mm-hmm. doing their digital workouts, right? You get this franchise open during a really fucking shitty time to open yeah. up I said did you guys go and get X ex- did you were, you were you successful in getting external funding did you use your own cash how did that look because everything I saw a lot of gyms weren't too gung-ho to go ahead and lend mm. money now if you had a great proof of concept brand behind you they're way more likely to go ahead and maybe fund you and give you a loan yeah. because like oh yeah because there's X amount of locations in this franchise model doing very well yeah. talk to me about how like just getting this thing up and running for someone listening to this who you guys know what it's like to be a small business owner and you're scrap you know scraping money together because mm-hmm. this is not a cheap looking facility no but with that sense they do they don't have a, a very expensive upfront I mean the equipment package is not very expensive compared to what I spent in CrossFit I'll tell you right now if you were if you have a CrossFit gym you what, most likely what you have spent is probably uh, half to a quarter of what you would need to spend to open a metabolic. Because we have five concept rowers, five ergs, five bikes. We don't have fifteen yeah. each. You know, like some places do. So and you guys had someone. Been, you guys had someone come. You had people come and install too, right? Yeah. Like you had JB Hunt and Chuck or whatever come down yeah. and and throw everything up. That's the other thing. Is like. I, I, gym owners remember like you get your you get your clients to help you like drag stall mats in and like it's moving day guys yeah. they come yep. and carry all the equipment i'm like no when you get into a franchise model you're you've got big boy pants yeah. on now you spend a little bit of money like the amount of money you probably paid those guys to install everything and lay it down it's like holy fuck why did i do that back when i owned a gym before well worth it yes yeah, well, yeah. yeah. so wait let's keep going on that so I, okay so startup costs the equipment package you know affordable mm-hmm. right getting people you it's affordable to get people to install did you go get a loan? Did you guys do private equity? Did you just use your own cash? Own cash. Your own cash. Yeah. Very so cool. Use your own cash. A, because of COVID. Yep. The second thing is, you know, there wasn't, that we went through a couple of banks, but they were requiring a little bit too much on the collateral. guarantee and collateral. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you know what? We, I mean, we had faith in this. You know, we understand that the concept itself, especially the strength concept, is something that is growing. CrossFit started it. And CrossFit kind of lost its way, like you said. And now it's starting to come back. You see OTF, you see F45. They're adding a little more weight training based into it because they, they know that the results come from strength training. It doesn't all come from cardio. So with that access or that, that knowledge, we knew that this was going to be a franchise that can potentially take off if COVID ends up sure. you know, kind of where it is right now. So we went in with the, the, the blind faith of that. You know, going in, like, okay, we know that COVID's not going to be something that's going to wreck all gyms. It's not going to be this virtual thing forever. So we decided to push forward with own cash and move forward with that. And instead of, you know, doing the smart route, of taking a loan and some things like that. But we did it with our own cash. And we opened up. Build out did take us a little bit longer than anticipated. Always so does. We, we lost two months of free rent because yeah. of that. 
but that wasn't necessarily because of issues with GC and stuff like that. It was more long lines. That's when the supply chain issues started coming about, especially in the construction world. Yeah. And so we had some issues on that. So we lost two months of free rent, which hurt us a little bit. But our strong presence in the area, and kind of alludes to like when you you're asked question like why Jupiter, it was because of our strong presence. Rachel is one of our you know head coaches here, and she has a very strong presence from a former gym that she was at. He has a strong presence that he's built. I have my strong presence that we built. We from day one when we said hey here's our founders memberships, we sold thirty before we even opened our doors up. And within the first two weeks of being open, we sold out all of them. So, you know, once people started experiencing what Metabolic was, also trusting us from our background and our knowledge and the spirit influence that we have developed, it got it got rolling quickly. How many know? founders memberships did, were you guys allowed to sell or did you want to sell? 100. 100. 100 yeah. Okay. So that's the, I want to kind of go to there, the pre-sell. You know, I had a really interesting conversation with Corbin about it. You know, uh, in his model, they were, you know, pre-sell was a, a little bit different. Getting mm-hmm. as many people on the, you know, initial front end offer, five for five, whatever it may be, getting them in and then closing them mm-hmm. after their five days or their five, whatever, five classes. You guys went the more the more traditional route would like I typically see with the, the boutiques is mm-hmm. founders membership rates. It's going to lock you in for a good price for a year. You ought to renew to the fair market value rate at the end of the year. Is that kind of how that goes? Are they going to be on there for 12 or are they on there for the grandfathered in? What does that look like? They are grandfathered in. They're grandfathered yeah. in. So do you ever think about like what that's going to be like? Cause with, you know, what does your rent go up every year here? Well, we are rent locked in for five years, five years. Okay. So it's locked in for five after five, I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head. Got it. Do you guys, I mean, like, this is, you know, just, there's no right or wrong way to do it. The thing I, the thing with that is always just like, okay, well, inflation goes up, a cost yeah. of business goes up, like, locking these people in. I always always thought about it like, like an ethics thing. Like, imagine, like, one day you just gave every member who came in a shirt that just said what they paid on it. And it was just mm-hmm. like, on, and they had the way, we wore it in the gym for a full week. How many customer service headaches would you get that week? Now, granted, you bought those shoes and someone else who bought them uh, five weeks later got them on sale, mm-hmm. right? Like, so like things, ha- like that's part of the thing, but how do you guys in your head, like, okay, we're going to get these first hundred and then what was the difference between fair market value that you started charging versus that the founders? Like what kind of discount? Like what was the, the compelling, you know, unique sales proposition to sign up early? So founders was 30% off? Is that what came out to be? 30% off our... 30% off our... Month to month. The month to month. month. Got yeah. it. Okay. And, and the month um, month's the most expensive one. Yeah. Right. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And then, so talking about that, I w- wasn't a fan of how we did that. You know, I thought it should have been the way they're doing it now. And you, you especially being a brand that is not well known yet. You know, we're not on the, th- on the levels of 45 or OTF yet. And so, especially opening up and being the first in Florida, we're still the first in Florida. There's not another studio open in Florida yet. Uh, there is one purchased, and they're going through this on the west side Saint of the coast. Petersburg. But, you know, being a brand that pretty much is a mom and pop in Jupiter, like no one knows about Mount Abolic. Sure. We, I don't think we went about that direction the best way, and I think the franchise learned from that. And the, you can see that in the franchises that are coming up, like Corbin. Yeah, you know that escalating prices, and also it's only locked in for a certain amount of months. When I heard that, I was like, "What the fuck?" Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, th- there there's a lot of things that you know that will be better as you go along with the franchise, and that's the learning curve of being with a franchise. And then we'll, and we also got in at a better time too. 
I feel like the feedback loops are pretty tight too. Like you, I, my my guess is that you know when Brandon and Kirk listen to this and Rick, this is gonna be the first time they've heard this. You guys will probably have a pretty open line of communication. Like, hey guys, I get it is the way it is. Here's I do, I agree, I don't agree. I mean, right. talk to me like what that is because I think a lot of people are also scared. Like when they think of a franchise, they're just like, oh, you have Oz behind the curtain just telling you what to do, and if you talk back to him you're fucking dead like you know you're in trouble whatever it may be what is that like going back and forth especially when you have maybe differences of opinion with the franchisors with so brandon kirk with they've been multiple conversations before we've opened up before we signed i mean they they were in the forefront of everything especially as COVID's run around they're like okay where's this franchise gonna go where's this gym gonna go so they're still were set on moving forward and pushing forward with selling units and we after a certain period of time once we got comfortable with it and talking to them multiple times and seeing how even before COVID they're set up six feet apart to typically. Yeah. So you have plenty of space in here. It's not like you're on top of each other. I mean, this like was COVID models. proof from the beginning. Yeah. Correct. And so doing more and more conversations with them and, and flying up to Charlotte, seeing them, they came down here a couple of weeks before we opened up and having real conversations with them eased us into that time and that process. So, you know, them being a big part of, the current being hands on with yeah. you guys. Yeah. Played a big dividend in us. Like yeah. we were very happy about that. We felt like we were heard and you know, everything that we came back with them, they're like, Hey, this is what we can do. This is what we can work with. You know, we, they were very, you know, not necessarily straight in the line. Like you can't cross this line. Like they allowed us to have these conversations and be like, Hey, what about this? What about that? Well, we're talking to these individuals. This is what we should probably do. You know, coming from that aspect, we listened to the franchise or, and we're like, okay, they know what they're doing, obviously. They've had multiple units. And you pre-sold 100. Yeah. Right? I mean, like you did. I mean, that's that was the goal, right? Yeah. You want 100. Yeah, I mean, we, that puts you in. we had 12000 some dollars coming in. Yeah. So, you know, there's is not many, very many micro gyms that got can it. do that. that uh, does that put you in the black, that 100? Is that like the safe spot? Like, okay, good. We're like, we're covering it. Like, we're, we're in the black. We're even. We're, Without rent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. With free rent, we were good. Got it. And then um, where are you guys at now membership-wise? We're at, I think the same. Auto pays were at 219. Two, 219. Very good. So for this for this facility, and you guys probably already know, what is what are you looking at your cap membership-wise? Like what's going to be the, the ceiling? I don't think any MADS really yeah. reached their, their ceiling yet. They, I believe, this facility itself, because we do have a lot of classes. We have nine classes Monday and Wednesday, Friday. Or sorry, Monday and Wednesday. Um, Tuesdays we have eight. Tuesday and Thursdays we have eight classes. So we have a lot of classes that we work within we feel comfortable 350 to 400. You know, yeah. we, we feel that we definitely can achieve 350 auto pays and th- yeah. the 400 and have a very flourishing job. And those are oh, Charlotte, yeah. like Charlotte numbers have those, right? For the most part? I believe. A, yeah. 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 I'm pretty close, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I, and that's, that's the great thing is, you know, the one thing when I ask you that question, hey, what can we cap out in here? We could sit down and it, you could do that. We could just do the math mm-hmm. based on like, because again, are you ever going to have a pop in 3.15 p.m. class time? It Probably not, right? But like we could do the math, figure that out. That's the one thing with a regular micro gym that's kind of like, I'll ask you, how many people do you have in class? Like, well, Stu, it depends on the programming, mm-hmm. right? If it's a chipper, we, you know, we don't have as much equipment. We can't have as many people. If it's all body weight, I could do like 50 people in here. I'm like, oh, that's fucking great for projections. Like mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's, that's a fun way to run the business. But you're here in Jupiter. You're making a splash. Are you already thinking multi-unit sometime down the road? I mean, that, that was our goal from the very beginning. It's multi. I mean, we the reason why we want other franchise is so this way we can scale. Yes. It wasn't sold one unit. It's so this way we can find a system that we can scale with and have multiple units around Florida. That is the main goal, and it's still the same main goal. 
getting into it, hearing especially Corbin's podcast, there's it's it's changed my mind on where I want to and where I want to invest and go into different aspects and go mm-hmm. into different demographics. You know, redoing it is Jupiter perfect location, probably not for the demographic to be able to excel and really grow quickly. I think we can have a huge impact on the people in Jupiter and, and the surrounding areas because they're so accustomed to either CrossFit or some of the other boutique models that don't necessarily focus on form and technique. Yeah. You know, and that's one thing we really work with. Our demographic here is older than the Charlotte demographic or, you know, say the more urban mads. We are on the higher end of that demographic that they typically go after. So we are 35 to 45, even into that 50 range is where a lot of our members are. Mm-hmm. They're, they're family members. They're, they have kids. They have businesses. You know, they're still that higher performer, but they are higher performers with children. With baggage, with yeah. uh, with extracurriculars. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's our structure that helps us service even those people, though. You know, it's we, we still have that, you know, we talked about the lanes. You know, we, we even the movements that we put in these lanes are set up in a way where there might be two movements where we can observe and know, okay, those are good. We can focus on these two elements today and really hammer those. So we have somebody who might come in that's in that demographic that we can service them very well in this structure. Yeah, and I, I don't want to gloss over that. You know, what what we're talking about here is, again, if you guys listening go back, they have five lanes. Each lane has five movements in it. And, you know, you guys talk about how high quality the coaching is, and I can attest as a customer. And the reason that's able to happen, because I think we'd all agree, if everybody was resistance training, one on 25 is a tough game to coach. Mm-hmm. But you guys do it in such a smart way where five people are on an erg bike, Five people are maybe doing the dot drill or doing the slider board, something that is of much lower complexity, still skillful, mm-hmm. right? So you get still need coaching, but then there might be the other two resistance training elements. So now the coach really now can triage the room and be like, right. okay, my main focus is on my resistance training people, and then I'm going to go and work maybe on the bag people or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And that's where that scalability comes in, and that's why it's so important to think of operational capacity when you plan out your facility and you plan out your workouts. And and it's not just, oh, this looks neat and organized. No. There's fucking methods mm-hmm. behind the madness to be punny on, on it. But, like, it, it, there truly is. And it's, it's all really well thought out. And that's it's one of my favorite things. Um, on the business side, stay. I want to stay on that. You know, Corbin was so analytical when he was giving me, you know, even off camera we were talking, we were driving around, like, the different areas and the mm-hmm. numbers and all that. Right now, I, I give you a bucket of money. Where do you open one up? Like, off the top of your head. I don't know if I want to... Because yeah. it's, yeah. it's like I don't want somebody sweeping in and getting right get it. Okay. Is it Florida? Yeah. So yeah, okay. we want to stay. We want to stay local in Florida. OTF blew up in Florida. Yeah. Forty five is doing very well in Florida. So Florida is a state that yes, we have a ton of stuff to do outside, but certain parts of the year people don't love to be in hundred degree weather plus hundred percent humidity. So you know we're not a Denver, we're not a you know a Western city where they have a ton of outdoor activities to do year round. So people love to train inside here, and so I believe a concept like this can explode and can do very well in the Florida market. Yeah, what, what could the Florida market like when you think of it? Like you know Corbin's numbers are, are crazy what he's doing in Arizona. You know with the twelve out there, the five in DC now. Um, do you guys kind of have an idea? Like, I, I'd, I'd like to do double digit in here. I'd like to, you know, do you guys have a number in your head? Like when you think of the growth long term mm-hmm. and in what year would you predict you're going to start expanding? So we, our initial goal was 10. 10. 10. Okay. So initial goal is to have 10 before we, you know, do our exit plan and um, move forward from there. And now looking at it, seeing where a metabolic can fit, I think more along the lines, it's not necessarily a number, but it's more along the lines of the perfect city. 
or the perfect area for it and growing some really strong single foundations and then branching out within that city. So grow one that's very strong in a central part of the city and then branching out to the smaller side. So this way you already have a built-in demographic base that you are constantly attacking every single day with your marketing. And then when you do expand three or four miles down the road, you have a better chance of opening up with a stronger membership base. Correct, because most people might have had to relocate or move over there. Exactly. Or they, their neighbor lives over there, their friend, yeah. And that that's that's the one thing, like, when you, you know, when I see, like, someone wants to be a single unit franchisee, it's like, well, why? Mm-hmm. They go, like, well, you're missing out on all the benefit of having the multiple, mm-hmm. you know, multiple locations that are all amplifying and churning each other. Because one person moves from the west side of Jupiter to the east side of Jupiter. You got one on each side, and you're not losing anybody type yeah. scenario. Let's go ahead and now let's talk about game day. So you guys are doing your very first one uh, tomorrow, mm-hmm. and the floor is laid out. This is what we got, right? Yep. The floor is laid out. I'll be in here tomorrow shooting and checking everything out. You know, uh, HQ, uh, corporate told you guys to expect about like 30% participation, and I would have echoed that exactly. If you would have asked my opinion, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, maybe around 30% is mm-hmm. generally what we see people, you know, in an entire thing. You guys said you're like damn 50% or more right now. Yeah, we're Close. over 40%. Right no now. shit. Very cool. So, Walk us through, and that, you don't even have to go through necessarily the workouts for game day and all that, but like walk me through like when you guys think about that, how does that help the culture, the retention, and the thing that everyone thinks you guys shit on mm-hmm. is community, yeah. right? There's a lot of content out there on Metabolic where you guys talk about, fuck community, it's about culture. I'm in the same breath. I love it. Well, you lock people out if they show up a minute late. Fuck yeah, we do. Like, What does something like this do for the community by reinforcing the culture? I think it would get more individuals that don't typically come at the same class time to get them together a little bit. But in reality, the way game day is structured is still an hour long, and you we the way we have structured is 20-minute segments. So when you finish that last 20-minute segment, you're walking out the door anyways. So, you know, right. when it comes to the community aspect, I think that's grown outside of our gym, and, and that's the important part of Metabolic is, I mean, if you're a CrossFit owner and you love the fact that you call everybody for your family and, like, you know, bullshit like that, like, hey, you probably won't be a great fit for a Metabolic franchise because our objective is to, like you say, be a pillar of strength of their day. You know, we want them to come in, go to get effective, safe, and results-driven exercise and workout, and then let them get on about their day. Yeah, not you the know? best hour of the day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I always I fucking hate that thing. <laughs> well, um, you're going to see, like, like I said before to you, like wherever human beings are, there's community. So yes, you've got correct. people in here who are very like-minded, they're very driven people, they're very type A type individuals who are going to be pushing hard tomorrow. So it's going to, and like we're talking about CrossFit, it's going to scratch that little bit of competitive itch for someone who might be missing that. They're going to get it tomorrow. And even though we're not necessarily like screaming and yelling, you got somebody next to you who's about to finish. They're going to they're going to be encouraging. They're going to mm-hmm. be pushing you a little bit. Yeah. And they're going to have that element to it that we, you know, it's going to happen and that's it's something that allows people to still feel that a little bit. The way you put it, I need to start like the way you just said that is so much more eloquent than how I normally say it. People are like, "Oh, community." I'm like, "You know what else says community?" Prison. There's a great community <laughs> in prison, right? The KKK has an amazing fucking community. Those guys show up for their fucking meeting like, "Bro, you're right." Get humans together with even one layer of common denominator. It creates community. Put everybody in a bar that doesn't know each other, but they're all there watching the home game. That's the one common denominator, right. and you're high-fiving the dude mm-hmm. next to you right. you never fucking met. Like, that's, good. that's exactly how that happens. You're right. It doesn't take, like, everyone's like, oh, we have community. I'm like, 
dude, that's such a weak flex. Like, you literally are like, I put a bunch of people together, and now they kind of like each other, and they hang out outside. Like, that is just human fucking nature. That's not any cool orchestration of what you did because you held a a post-workout Wad Murph brewery event. Like, that's not what that is. And I love that you guys acknowledge that because I also like to give the credit to the clients. You're not the ones telling them, like, hey, you know, go, go hang out with that person, then become roommates and best friends and be in his wedding in six years. You're not doing that. That's the clients are doing that. They're taking the time out of their day to manifest relationships, boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, buddies, future business partners, whatever. Like, don't fucking take that away, Mr. Gym Owner. Be like, oh yeah, I did that. All these weddings that happened in here, that was me. I was like, no, they just had a gym membership at the yeah. same spot. They could have met at the fucking grocery store, you fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I just I yeah, right. The pretentiousness on this community thing is crazy. But with moving or with game day. Talk to me about the performance part of it. You guys don't have a leaderboard. People don't have an app that they track mm-hmm. their shit in. So these five tests are these t- are the three twenty minute workouts. Yeah. yeah, are those five the, tests. they're five tests? Okay, so five tests are they the same every time? Yeah, yep. so every time we the same. How do you guys record? Do you guys just like, what do you? What's the like the new like guys just write it down in your Apple Notes in your phone? Or like how do you could you tell people to even like care about it Use to record a score it? Card, take a picture with your phone and. Oh, it. so you guys do have yeah. a, you guys have a little or score branded scorecard. They write it down. Old Got it. Paper. Very perfect. Yeah. They snap it, and if yeah. they give a fuck, otherwise yeah. they're just like if whatever. Not, it goes in trash. Yeah, hundred percent. And since this is your first time, you'll kind of be like figuring out mm-hmm. how many yeah. people care. Have you found people get kind of because you guys remember the open mm-hmm. and people get kind of like because they I'm know nervous. what the workouts are ahead of time now, mm-hmm. right? Your your members know. You know all the crossers will get together around the TV and hold hands on Thursday and wait for David <laughs> David Castro <laughs> to announce it. And, you know, and ah, oh, and it's the whole thing. Um, do you find people like where they are they uh, nervous? Is it anticipation or is it just another day at a metabolic? I think it's a little bit ner- more nerves to it because they don't know exactly how that's going to feel over there. You guys can't see it, but it, we got, you know, the triathlon coming up, the mad triathlon, which is 500-meter bike, or sorry, 500-meter ski, 750-meter row, 1,000-meter bike for time. So that. we did on Monday. It, I mean, it felt like there's a ton of lactic acid in my, <laughs> in my quads, in my yeah. legs. So it's going to hurt a little bit. So they're a little, they might be a little nervous on that. But I think more along the lines, that they're, they're more excited to see where their baseline is currently and where it's going to be 12 weeks from now when we retest. Walk me through all this because I'm going to, I just realized I'm going to go put some great B-roll over top of what we're talking about right now. Walk me through the test. So the first one's a push-up on the rings. Right. We have a ring push-up. If uh, that's a little bit more of a higher skill for a lot of our clients, so some of them will do it from the floor and it's as many as you can do um, in constant motion, right? So once you're So one max effort set. One Mm -hmm. max effort set. Same thing with a goblet squat. And we have it, you'll see here, it's already laid out in the lane, so it gives people options on the weight. So as long as you don't come off the rings, can you stay at the top and, like, rest there? Is it once you stop moving, it's done? Once you're done, I love you're that. done. I love yep. that. Same thing with the goblet squat. Okay. Yep. And each one of them has a two-minute cap, so you're not going to keep going for more than sure. that amount of time. Um, the next one is a dot drill. So we have a, a couple different complexes on the dot drill that you'll complete for a s- amount of time. That's a two-minute cap. You have a broad jump, which you see over here. Um, very similar to the combine, right? Yeah. NFL combine is similar to, uh, you know, maybe something you did in high school athletics and then the triathlon that Josh talked about. I love that. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting though, because I guess it'd be tough. You can't, the bag is the constant in all the workouts, mm-hmm. yet there's right. no bag in game day. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd be like, I'd try to be thinking, what is, what could you do with the bag that could be a good test? 
that's repeatable and you know all that good stuff. But yeah, that that probably be a little bit difficult. You have to get some type of monitoring system on to yeah. measure power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like at the bar, like the bar that like fucking the arcade, one, the arcade <laughs> one, all the drunks just go yep. and fucking just smash. Yeah, maybe we'll go do that afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, it's like I'm talking <laughs> shit. That's me. Like, <laughs> so that's another thing too. Like we're doing an after party, like a mad social. We do nice. quarterly, and uh, well, maybe. Yeah, every, 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 month. every month or every other month. Okay. So, you know, people, like-minded people, hey, if you want to meet us out, we're going to be having cocktails at, for a happy hour. You guys want to come join us. Nice. You're more than welcome to come join us. We're doing that, that tomorrow night, too. So. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So one last thing here on game day before we before we kind of uh, we, we sign off. The thing about the one of the other reasons, you know, when I found out, I wanted to meet you guys and do this because you come from this cross world, and I, I said all that. But I, when I heard it was game day, and then we were in that email exchange, mm. and at first, <laughs> go ahead and hit that. At first, there was like, I could tell you guys were like nervous, like, whoa, 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 whoa. like, don't yeah, come yeah. at, like, we're doing this. And I, that's like, honestly the thing that I'm most excited about. You guys stepped into this in COVID. Unsure. You fucking signed up with a franchise after just doing their online workouts. Kind of unsure. You came from being very sure about other models, personal training, CrossFit, mm-hmm. and then you, you, you risked it all. And the fact, if anyone doesn't know what the, the apex of this entire storyline has been today, it's when you told me you put in all your own cash. Mm-hmm. That was the part that made me just fucking realize who I was actually speaking to. These you guys are absolute risk takers, and you believe in the model so much. So, I mean, that is such a huge. I mean, I don't know very many people. I mean, maybe when if you start in a bullshit warehouse with four thousand dollars, I'm not talking. About, I'm talking like an. I know how expensive these are. Like, mm-hmm. this is while the equipment package is not cheap. Everything that goes into the franchise mm-hmm. fee and all the stuff that you have to pay is a lot of fucking money. I'm so impressed by, you know, you guys doing this here and, and having all that, that when, you know, there was a little nervousness around the, the game day, I, that's what I like because that's how I feel entrepreneurship should feel, mm-hmm. especially in your first full year of business. Mm-hmm. You know, first three years of business, you should be a little fucking nervous every goddamn day, but you guys are sitting at 210 members. You had a great pre-sell. You're about to do your first game day. I'm uh, I, I'm just I'm super glad I get to come here and document this tomorrow with you guys. I think I think what you've done is great, and I'm also a big fan. I haven't mentioned this yet. Partnerships. This is something that gets a lot of rap, bad rap in the fitness mm-hmm. game. I believe partnerships exist for three reasons. You need a cash partner. You need a strategic partner. Like when people partner with Mark Cuban because they want their widget to go out at the Mavericks mm-hmm. game. And then there's a skill set partner. Like yin and yang. You're good at this. I'm good at this. I won't fuck with that. Whatever. What would you guys say as a partnership? What advice would you have for other people who may be thinking of opening a franchise or any kind of business with a partner? And then what's the what's the balancing skill set you guys think you, you bring to the table? I think number three is probably the biggest with him and I is skill set. <clears throat> we both have cash involved in it, so it's not that that's not the the biggest issue with it. I think it's more along the lines of the skill set. He's very good at being personal with individuals. He's very well spoken. He on stage every single Sunday, um, speaking. So it's you know, in my sense, it's more along. Is the that numbers. a church? Yeah, yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. So are you, it's like pre, like what do you, what do you do? Uh, I am. I I do. I have a ministry role at a church down the road. I'm not like the full pastor, but I'm definitely in a pastoral role. You're in a public speaking role every week, like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Which uh, this is my first podcast, so you know, <laughs> I don't speak very much unless it's in a group setting like this. Yeah, yeah. And so more along the numbers for me. You know, I, I the back end is where I thrive and where I really actually have enjoyed because that's something that I never have never put emphasis on in my other business was the back end and the number side of it. It kind of basically I was running it by my bank account. 
you know, there's really not too much QuickBooks. Just check and see what yep. the what the bank account balance yeah, was like. Oh, we're exactly. good. Yeah. yeah. So you know, a lot of fuck ups, a lot of mistakes. I mean, you know, that that was my college there. You know, the college of real life, and um, and so, you know, it forced me to learn that stuff. And it and not having the program, if you are programming for your yeah. gym, oh man, you know how long it takes. Yes. Especially when you, you care are trying. Yeah. 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 When you're trying to develop a true program, you're not throwing shit on the wall. You're not just fucking like, oh, we should do thrusters today. We should do burpees. And, oh, we we'll do snatch tomorrow. Like, no. If you're actually programming stuff out, you know exactly how long that takes. And then when somebody comes along and shits on it, it's like, mm, man, it's kind of hard not to take that personally. So when, when that was removed from us, and, you know, that was a big thing that we kind of had to get used to because we've been in control of that for ever. Yeah. You know, it was actually a big relief. You know, that's been the nicest thing is where you can look on the online and go, okay, this is what we're doing tomorrow. Cool. Yeah. You know, we, we we put it on the floor and we do it. Yeah. Um, I still take it a little personally now if somebody says they don't like it. Because <laughs> well, I, yeah. I love this yeah. program. I believe in it. And we put our names behind it. Yeah. But I, I was going to say, too, like, we kind of, I feel like we kind of are raising each other up in our own skill sets now. Like, mm. like he's educating me, helping me learn. I'm like, hey, I, I don't get this side of the business stuff. Can you help me here? And then he's like, hey, let me explain this. So you start to have a perspective on what we're doing here, which is necessary mm-hmm. and you could see him like he didn't do too badly today did he no he <laughs> did you know, great I, I know. So, like, that's why i'm like he's fucking you know, he's 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 doing his podcast yeah. every week he's so pulling. like i think we he's hustling me i do think we kind of are rising like rising the ships like rising yeah. the tide for both of us yeah what would you write what would you guys each say to someone who is again like they're thinking of doing the partnership thing they're nervous about it or whatever like how would you recommend someone vets the partner and make sure that's a good fit depends on your needs you know if you need um a cash you know, partner, then, you know, obviously you need to make, vet them out and make sure that you can have the correct um, contracts put in place. So that way, you know, it benefits you and, and them in the scenario. Make sure you don't get screwed over by it, you know, and, and then figure out what your skill sets are. You know, if you are an exceptional coach, great at coaching, very personable, people are drawn to you because of your coaching style, doesn't mean you'd be great at business, you know, so you might need to figure out what you need to have on the back end with your partner, like who's going to be handling X, Y, and Z on the business side of it that people don't see who's going to handle X, Y, Z on the front end where people are seeing that majority of the time. So I think that's from a partnership standpoint, a, you, you shouldn't just go into business with somebody you just met, which I did in the past. So, you know, I, that's an example I can give you is vet them out really well and figure out where their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And do you complement their weaknesses? You know, if, if you both are strong, the exact same thing, and it's only a portion of your business, you both are going to struggle yes. you know, until you both learn or divide up and say, hey, you're going to take the back end. I'm taking the front end. I'm great at front end, but you got to learn it all the back end. You know, it's, so it's, you got to figure out with a partnership where you truly want to be and it will evolve. You know, the, yeah. when you get into business, it will evolve. But from the very beginning, you need to figure out where you truly find your passion when it comes to the business side of it. Is it on the floor consistently coaching individuals or is it sales or is it the back end with numbers, figuring sure. out projections, figuring out, okay, when can we actually give raises to our coaches? When can we, when we hit these certain metrics, can we look to actually expand to the next one? Um, so that kind of aspect, you need to figure out where you find your passion in business because yeah. it's, you're in business with, it's, you can kind of compare it to a marriage, you know, um, if you just went blind and ordered your bride from Russia, I mean, <laughs> like you're yeah. never going to know, but if, the dice. you know, it, you know, him and I have known each other for over 10 years now, 10 years. Yeah. you know, we compete with each other on the same teams. Like we know, 
understand each other's other. work ethic, yeah. all that. Right. What would you say? Because this was your—is this your first business partnership? Correct. Yeah. yeah so it's my first business that I've been an owner of. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who's maybe on that side of it? They're like they've never had a business partnership, but one that's gone bad or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. What advice would you have as far as vetting and and is this the right person? Just make sure it's someone that you know. You know them both professionally. You know them personally. Trust them. You have to trust them. I trust this man. I know him. I've known him, and, and we've been through some some tough workouts and, and some different situations in our life. We've traveled together. We've done things. So, like, we just, we, we you know, I've known him very well. Um, and then I know for a fact that my weak spots he's strong in. I know it. it. It's not something that we've talked about and we, like, discussed. And he gave me an idea of what he's like. Like, I know that he's much better at X, Y, and Z. And I know that my strengths are X, Y, and Z. So we can kind of, those are definitively known and they're set at the beginning. And I will say, too, like, you just said, you know, the main components of your business, those pillars of your business, someone needs to be able to handle that and know that they can they can definitely take the reins on that. And so can that other partner. Eventually, like he said, it will evolve. And now, like, I'm venturing into other aspects and starting to get better at those things. He's starting to get better at these things. And we're, we're add, adding more on top of that in different layers. And so that's been, it's been fun to do. Like I'm starting to get really interested in some of these numbers and really into the sales component of it that I didn't think that I was going to be. I thought I was going to be the coach. Like I'm going to be on the floor all the time and that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to have any say in that. I'm not going to have any input on that. And at first I didn't, but now I'm starting to learn it. And I'm like, you know, I am really interested, interested in the trajectory of our business and yeah. what, what are we doing from a sales perspective? How are we approaching that? And so those are things that you can, you know, as long as you get the, the main things down, the main things are the plain things. So you get those right. And then eventually you can start adding in some other things and it just gets sweeter. Main things to play these. You got good one-liners, man. You got, you got bars. I like it. You got bars. And the one thing you said in there that I, you said you travel together. I always tell people here, the business partner, the cheapest way, go on an eight hour, go on an eight hour car ride. Mm. If you want to murder them, like if you're like, if you wouldn't trust them to take over driving for you when you're tired, if you cannot hold the conversation that you enjoy and you enjoy that eight hours there, the weekend trip, the eight hours back, not going to be a good partnership. That's just a really good cheap fucking experiment for anyone who's got someone they're they're thinking of going into. Um, Josh, Zach, thank you guys so much for inviting me uh, into your home. And uh, this place is great. I'm excited for tomorrow. Can't wait to do game with you. Yeah, man. Let's be dope. Thank you guys. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it.